So we have three weeks left of our Stranger Things series. We're making our way through First Peter, and we're almost done, which is crazy. The semester's gone by so fast. So tonight we're going to be wrapping up chapter three together. And if it's, if it's your first time here with us tonight, we've been learning from First Peter what it looks like to be a stranger in this world. Uh, Peter is referring to his original audience as strangers, as exiles, as resident aliens, because they don't fit in with culture because of their decision to follow Jesus. And so we're learning from Peter what it looks like to be strangers in our world as well. So we're going to start in chapter 3, verse 13. A little recap from last week. We talked about what it looks like to seek peace and pursue it. And I hope that um, y'all were able to find ways in your life to seek peace this past week. So let's see what we have to learn from Peter tonight on how to be a stranger. So chapter 3, starting in verse 13, he says, Who is going to harm you if you are eager to do good? But even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear their threats. Do not be frightened. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give a reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. For it is better if it is God's will to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. He was put to death in the body, but made alive in the spirit. After being made alive, he went and made a proclamation to the imprisoned spirits, to those who were disobedient long ago when God waited patiently in the days of Noah while the ark was being built. And it only a few, eight in all, were saved through water. And this water symbolizes baptism that now saves you also, not the removal of dirt from the body, but the pledge of a clear conscience towards God. It saves you by the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and who and is at God's right hand with angels, authorities, and powers in submission to him. So a lot to unpack here, but let's, let's start at the very beginning. So Peter is saying, who is going to harm you if you are eager to do good? And so remember, these people are living in persecution. Uh, everybody is not their biggest fan because of their decision to follow Jesus. And so he's encouraging them, y'all need to try your hardest to be good um, to be moral, to live upright lives, because it's a lot harder for people to get frustrated with you if you're eager to do good, right? People want to be around people that are good, that are helping and loving people, that are being kind. And if you're doing the right things, they don't have as much ammo to harm you, right? But, and he says, even if you are to suffer, you're blessed. And so I was thinking about just an example of, I mean, when's the time in my life that I feel like I've been doing something good and then I've had to suffer because of it? And the first silly example that came to my head was in high school, I was on my way to school and I was trying to memorize the scripture. 
that I wanted to memorize, and it actually happened to be 1 Peter 3, which is ironic. Um, and so I was trying to memorize this on the way to school. I had like a 20-minute commute because uh, I went to a private school, and I was working on this verse, and like what better thing could I be doing with my time, right? I was doing something good, so who is going to harm me for doing good? And then all of a sudden, I see sirens in my rearview mirror, and I get pulled over, and I get a ticket for rolling through a stoplight or a stop sign. And I was like, literally in that moment, I was like, God, man, I was trying to do the right thing. And then I still get a ticket. And the officer didn't really care that I was memorizing scripture. Um, but that was the first thing that came to mind. And that's a silly example because I still should have been following the traffic rules, right? But um, on a more serious note, Grant, uh, one of the guys on our leadership team, reminded me of a quote this week, or maybe just a common saying, and I tried to look up who said it, and I couldn't find it, so we're going to give the credit to Grant tonight. But he reminded me that this quote that says, people aren't mad at Christians that act like Christ, they are mad when Christians don't act like Christ. And so I think that's important to remember is people get frustrated with Christians who are not being a good example of Christ, right? Those are the type of Christians Christians that people talk bad about or don't want to be around because they're not reflecting Christ. But if we are actually reflecting Christ with our whole lives, with everything we do, it's going to be pretty hard for people to be frustrated with us. Um, but there are going to be situations when we are still going to suffer, even when we are doing what is right. Um, we have all experienced suffering, whether in your life um, or people around you. And one of the most common questions that people ask Christians and pastors specifically is why do bad things happen to good people? Why do bad things happen to good people? And you've probably wondered that question yourself. And um, I don't know how to explain that fully, except for the fact that we live in a sinful, fallen, broken world. And so no matter how good of a person you are, how upright of a life you're living, there is still going to be suffering at some point in your life that's going to knock on your door because we live in a broken world. So what are we going to do when we suffer? How are we going to respond when we go through a trial? Remember, Peter says, first of all, you're blessed. And we talked about this in chapter 1, that these people probably lost their inheritance, their earthly inheritance, right? But they get a heavenly inheritance. And that's what Peter's reminding of. You are blessed no matter what you go through here on this earth. But you, and you have an inheritance to look forward to in heaven. But then he also says, when you are to suffer, even when you're doing good, always be prepared to give an answer for the hope that you have. So I want to pause for a second before we dig into this and just do a little icebreaker question at your table. I want everyone to go around and say one thing that you are hoping for. Anything. It could be you're something you're hoping for by the end of the month, something you're hoping for for Christmas, something you're hoping for before you graduate. So I want everyone to go the, around the table and say, I'm hoping for blank. It doesn't have to be spiritual. Ready, go. So I am hoping for a puppy. 
I really want a puppy. Um, this is my parents' mini Bernadoodle, and so it's really got me on this Bernadoodle kick. Um, I really want an Aussie Doodle or a Bernadoodle, but his name is Maverick. He's pretty cute, right? Was there another picture of him up there too, I think? Yeah. He's so cute. I just want him. Um, so I'm really hoping that I could get a puppy for Christmas. I think it would be a great idea for Aaron to get me a puppy for Christmas. Right, everyone? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so what, what did some of y'all say you're hoping for? Shout out some of the things. Good grades. Yeah, that's a good thing to hope for. Snow? Hey, might happen. Good friend, yeah, hoping to see a good friend. That's awesome. What else? Good test grades, yeah. Passing your classes. What? Playing time, yeah, that's a good thing to hope for. I picked on the, huh? Oh, yeah, get a job. Aaron's about to graduate from physical therapy school. Anything else? Get into PT school, yeah, grad school, planning for things. No one said they're hoping to get married. I was expecting a lot of you to say that. <laughs> yeah, ring by spring. No, you don't have to be in a rush, though. No rush. Um, okay, so what do all these things that we're hoping for have in common? We're all waiting for something, right? So to hope for something means we're waiting for something, and it's this kind of eager expectation and waiting for something to happen. Like for my puppy, I eagerly am hoping Aaron will get me one for Christmas. I don't, I don't know if it's gonna happen. So what does Peter mean when he says, always be prepared to give an answer for the hope that you have? Always be prepared to give an answer for the hope that you have. It means that we always should be prepared when people ask us to tell them what we're waiting for. As followers of Jesus, whenever someone asks us, we should always be prepared to tell them what we're waiting for. And remember, the context here is someone who is suffering. Peter's talking to people who are suffering and being persecuted, and many of us um, aren't being persecuted, but we are going through times of suffering and trials. And so when we have a trial and we have suffering knocking at our door, how are we going to respond? Are we going to remain in despair when we notice brokenness in our life or when we don't get our way or when we're in pain? Are we going to remain in despair are we going to let bad things have the final say on our lives? No, we shouldn't, because as Christians, we know that Jesus has the final word, right? We know that resurrection has the final word, so we don't have to remain in despair. Despair is the opposite of hope, right? Despair is silence. It means there's no hope. We can acknowledge that there is brokenness and sadness and evil and pain. Remember, we talked about that earlier in the semester when we talked about mourning. It's okay to acknowledge your sadness and your pain, but we don't have to remain in despair. We should be eagerly waiting for the hope that we have in Jesus, 
for the return of Jesus to rescue humanity and fully reunite us with God in the new heaven and new earth that we've been talking about on Sunday mornings, right? If you've been here on Sunday mornings, we've been talking about this new heaven and new earth and Jesus being the answer. So when we're in a season of suffering and things aren't going our way, maybe that's um, a relationship that's been really, really hard and it's not working out. Or maybe you realize you're about to fail a class and that's something really hard to accept. But people are watching you. People are watching you when you're going through a trial as followers of Jesus and they're waiting to see how you're gonna respond. They're waiting to see how you're gonna respond and they're waiting to see if you're gonna let despair have the final word or if you can give an answer for the hope that you have. And so I think it's so important for us to be able to articulate, hey, if someone asks me, it, when I respond to something that's hard, if I fail a test, but I'm still able to smile afterwards and say, hey, it's gonna be okay, someone might say, hey, why are you still able to be okay after that? Can you point it back to Jesus? Can you give an answer for the hope that you have. So for our first discussion, we're gonna talk about when you're suffering and don't get your way, does your response reflect where your hope is found? Or can you give an answer for the hope that you have? So think about what or who are we waiting for? Can you give an answer that points to Jesus and that we're waiting for the Jesus to make all things new, to take away all brokenness and pain and that the resurrection is what our hope is found in. Um, for me, in college, uh, many of you know, I played volleyball at UMHB, and my sophomore year of college, I, it was the middle of conference, and I tore my ACL in a game, and honestly, that really wrecked me for a while. Um, the fact that I lost volleyball and that was taken away from me was a really hard thing, and I realized how much and my hope was found in being a college athlete instead of, like that shouldn't have wrecked me in the way it did because my hope should be found in Jesus and the resurrection. So that's an example. So I want y'all to talk about this at your table. When you're suffering, does your response reflect where your hope is found? So y'all talk about it. Does anyone wanna share what your table talked about? Did y'all learn anything from each other that you want to share? No. <laughs> Come on. No one? All right, thanks, Grant. Our expert over here. What? Just kidding. <laughs> you got a quote on the screen. I did, it didn't say my name, though. It said Grant. Oh, it said Grant? Yeah. <laughs> Um, I don't know if I answered it this right, the, the right way, but... There's not a wrong way. Awesome. Sounds great. Um, the way I thought about it was, is like, how do I give my hope up to God, like, in times of need? Or not in times of need, but, like, in the bad times. Um, I noticed that recently, and, like, probably for the past while, that I don't. And that is a bad thing that I have, like, come to realize, like, recently. Like, I'll just, like, mentally check out and, like, not even give it up to anybody, <laughs> you know, just like whatever happens, happens. And uh, like last week and a few weeks before that, I like started like really working on like 
okay, I need to be more intentional on how I um, handle those kind of situations, you know? Like, instead of just, like, not doing anything about it, but instead actively, like, try to put it, um, I guess, my troubles in God's hands and, yeah. like, hope and pray for the best and, like, just work with what I got after. Yeah. That's kind of how I think about it. I think that's great. I think when we um, notice, like, little things just mess with us so much and um, get us off track, that's a good indicator that our hope is being put in material things versus um, the resurrected Jesus, right? Anyone else notice a time when you've suffered or didn't get your way? Um, and maybe it's okay if you want to share a time when you notice you didn't put your hope. God. Abby. We kind of talked about how, like, your response, like, if it's, like, I mean, it's normal to, like, have human emotions, like, be sad or be happy about something. Typically, if it doesn't go your way, you're sad <laughs> or frustrated. But we kind of talked about, like, how it goes along with control and, like, when things don't go your way, like, it's because you're being, like, your response, right, you should be giving it up to God, but if you're kind of upset and angry and you let that, like, rule, like, your responses and, like, how things go, that goes to being, like, a selfish desire. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of what you talked about. Yeah, that's good. Well, so I think when we're thinking about this, it's really important that you kind of check yourself. If, if someone asks me, where... Where is your hope found? And people are probably aren't going to phrase it like that. But, like, how do you still find joy in the midst of what you're going through or um, being surprised that you're going through something hard and you're not acting like it's the end of the world? Can you point those conversations back to Jesus and being able to say, like, yeah, because I believe that Jesus has the final word um, in my life and that this situation that I'm going through isn't going to define me. Um, so be thinking about that. I want to challenge you when you, you go home to think and maybe journal if that's what you do or pray about, hey, how can I turn those conversations to say that my hope is in Jesus and is in resurrection? Because that's what Peter is challenging his people to do, to always be prepared, to every day be ready for someone to ask you that question and to be ready to point them back to Jesus. And then another important thing I want to note pretty quickly is that uh, when we are sharing where our hope is found, um, maybe when we're sharing the gospel, the good news of Jesus, and where our hope is, what we're waiting for, right, the return of Jesus, we need to make sure we're doing it with a posture and attitude of gentleness and respect. And so if we are sharing where our hope is found in a condescending way or belittling way or making someone feel stupid or shoving it down their throats, that is not a helpful way to share where our hope is found. And so I, I just want to challenge you guys, when you get an opportunity to share, be gentle and respectful as, as Peter teaches us. Be willing to listen to other people's opinions and have a conversation about it. Um, so what Peter is saying next can get a little confusing. And like, why, why did he put all this stuff in here? And so I want to try and um, untangle it a little bit. I don't have all the answers, but I think what he's saying 
So let's see, when he is in, when he's talking about Jesus proclaiming to the imprisoned spirits, what, is, what does that mean? <laughs> um, and so I think it's helpful to look at the very last verse of chapter three as well. And I looked it up in the message version and it says, Jesus has the last word on everything and everyone from angels to army. He's standing right alongside God and what he says goes. So that's, that's the chapter, verse 22 in the message version. What Jesus says goes. And so when it's talking about him um, ascending and talking to these, uh, these spirits, this, this is referring to something to do when Jesus uh, was in the grave for those three days before he was resurrected. And we really don't know a lot about what went on in those three days when Jesus was in the grave. There's a few mentions of it in scripture, but we don't have a lot of explanation about it. And so what I think it's important to take away though, and what Peter is trying to help us understand is that Jesus has the last word. Jesus always has the last word on everything and everyone. And then he gives this example of, of Noah in here. And why, why in the world is he just throwing Noah in there? Noah's the guy, right, that, Jesus, that God asked to build the ark because he was going to flood the whole earth. And so he's using Noah as, as an example of baptism because Noah and his family got to get on this ark when God was going to wipe all the evil and all the filth um, from the, the earth. And he was going to rescue them on this ark and take them into new life and a new world, right? And so this is a very similar picture that we get in baptism. And that's what Peter's pointing to here is that when we are baptized, we put to death our former life. Um, we are wiped, our former life is wiped away when we go under the water, just like when God flooded the earth. And then we're carried out through the ark of Jesus in baptism out of the water into new life and getting to join with Jesus in his mission here on earth. And so um, Peter is encouraging us that we should be on mission, being joined with Jesus. And a way we do that, a way we proclaim our hope to the world is through baptism. And he's like, baptism isn't about um, just getting the physical dirt off of you. It's this, this spiritual joining with, with Jesus. I love that he has to mention that. He's like, y'all, this isn't just a bath, okay? It's, there's more to it. And so I want to, for our last discussion, um, get there. I want to spend some time. There's kind of two, two parts to this. Jesus has the last word on blank. So I want you to think in your life where you need to remind yourself that Jesus has the last word on blank, that you need to remember where he has control in, in your life, um, that he is bigger than anything um, that we're going to confront on this earth. And then is baptism a symbol that you have chosen to partake in? Is this something that you've chosen to, ch chosen to be a part of to proclaim where your hope is found? And what was that experience like for you? 
And then if, you're, if you want to say, hey, that is not something I've gotten to do yet, but it's something that I'm interested in, I would love for you to share that with your table. Um, and then I would love to talk with you if that is something that you're interested and ready to proclaim to the world through this symbol of baptism, that I want to put to death my former way of life and be resurrected out of the water and joined in this new life with Jesus. Um, Rick, my friend, is back there in the back. If he's still around too, he would love to chat with you guys about baptism as well. But let's spend some time talking about these questions. So let's start with just spending some time encouraging each other with just filling in that blank. Jesus has the final word on blank. So does anyone want to share what? My future. Your future, yeah. For me, I, I would say my, my timeline, for sure. The relationship I have with my family. Mm-hmm. My career. Yeah. Our identity and self-worth. Mm-hmm. Anybody else over here? All right. What about baptism? Anybody have any cool conversations about that? anybody been to a baptism night at Vista? Yeah? Pretty fun, huh? (laughs) Allie's really excited about that. Okay, so uh, we talked about, like, baptism and, like, those who have, like, not been baptized, like, feeling that you have to, like, meet expectations or, like, prove yourself to be, like, worthy of it. Um, And so that's, that was our topic. Um, like get, getting over that like boulder before like feeling the need to like get baptized and like you want to but you may feel that like uh, you haven't met expectations that are needed quote unquote needed but not needed but yeah that was our topic yeah and the, I think that's a very like a lot of us can relate to that feeling like we have to get to a certain place in our life to be able to be worthy of baptism but the cool thing is you don't, like you get to come to Jesus admitting all your brokenness and then that's what baptism is about is taking that first step and proclaiming to the world that you don't want to be, um, you don't want to be a part of your old life anymore and you want Jesus to be a part of that journey with you and you're not going to be perfect as soon as you come out of the water. Um, we see in the, the example of Noah, right? Like the earth still went back to chaos and brokenness and sin. Um, but it's saying, I want Jesus to be a part of this, this journey and I want my hope to be found in him. So yeah, that's it's a very fair thing, but I hope y'all can be encouraged that you don't have your life, have to have your life all together to be baptized. 
It's just saying I'm ready to start this journey with Jesus. Anyone else? Cool. We're going to get out a little early tonight, but I, I just I hope you're encouraged to start to think about um, and really articulate, can I have a conversation about where my hope is found? Um, and then if you're ready to make that proclamation, uh, please come talk to me or Rick, and we would love to start to have that conversation with you. Um, and get you pointed in the right direction. I think we have a baptism night or baptism Sunday coming up soon at Vista. Um, and then remember that Jesus has the final word. No matter what you're going through, no matter what life is throwing at you, Jesus has the final word, and we can find confidence in that. So I'm going to pray for us, um, and then a few announcements before we go. God, I'm thankful for your word. I'm thankful for really faithful people like Peter who got to walk on this earth with you and we get to read his, one of his letters um, many, many, many years later and still be encouraged by it. God, I pray that we would be people who wouldn't find our hope in uh, the material things of this world, in our appearances or in our grades or in our relationships or in our future, but we would find our hope in you and we would eagerly be waiting for your return. Um, God, I pray that if there is anyone in this room that is ready to make that next step in proclaiming where their hope is found through the, the, the symbol of baptism, that they would be willing to uh, raise their hand and come and talk to someone about it tonight and say, I'm ready to start that journey with Jesus. God, I'm thankful that you have the final word. I'm thankful for your son. I'm thankful for the resurrection and that you are resurrecting broken parts of our lives every day. God, you are good and we love you so much. And it's in your name, amen.